0: Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com.
1: Grab your Bibles, and if you don't have one, the hatted one. What kind of hat does that call? What kind of hat is that called? Scally cat. Scally? Scally. Poor boy hat. Poor boy hat. So the poor boy hat guy will give you a Bible. And we do have tables up here. Um, So you see the tables. We don't always do the tables. And um, for creatures of habit, it freaks you out. And uh, it feels like going to a wedding, right? Like you go to a wedding but you're begging and pleading that they seated you with somebody that you actually know. That's kind of why we do this. We do this on purpose. Um, So we did the surveys, and a lot of you did the surveys. It was extremely helpful for us as as an elder leadership team. And when we asked the question, what has been most influential in your personal life for you growing in Christ? Which means you coming and growing in your faith and growing in your life. And... There were very few people that said, oh, the messages that Boog and Esh give and other people give on Sunday mornings, those were the most powerful. That's what helped me grow the most in my faith. And you know what? That doesn't surprise us. The thing that was, the two things that were like repeated over, and I mean like over and over and over again, were one, community, being with other people, knowing other people, and serving. And so... As a leadership team, we're like, well, then we need to figure out a way to incorporate that more on a Sunday morning, the serving and especially the community part. Now, we already had the tables planned out before because I just love the tables, Um, and I'm the same, and I'm the worst person to want the tables because if I'm out there sitting at the table, I'm like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? And I'm like all freaking out and anxious about it, and then whenever it says greet each other, hang out, then I'm like, oh, this was actually good for me, but I really didn't want to do it. So I get it but it's also why we do it. So there you go. Um, we are going to talk uh, in Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 31. And so if you have your Bibles, open up there. The, the verse that I'm going to put up here, it's translated differently. And, and I'm going to read that verse to you. And this verse sums up what we've been talking about. What does it mean to be a simple church? That's a series we're going through. It's not really a series as much as it's just a reminder of who we are. And who we are as the body of Christ. So um, if you could put up Luke chapter 5 verse 31. And the emphasis there in that passage is Jesus saying, look, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I didn't come for those on the inside. I came for those on the outside. I didn't come for those that were found, but for those that were lost. Have you ever heard that phrase? The lost? Has anyone ever defined you as the lost? It's kind of lame. Uh, so we call ourselves a church for people who don't go to church. And, you know, we say we have a heart for the last, the lost, and the least. And so when you throw that up, the lost, um, I'm thinking, really? that You're going you're gonna to say that to me? You're going to call me the lost? You're going to condescend to me? Like, I lost my way. I, I don't know where I'm going. Help me. It just doesn't, It has this connotation in English that wasn't meant in the context by which Jesus shared it. And so that's why I love the way um, it was translated in the message. It says, who needs a doctor? The healthy or the sick? I'm here, this is Jesus saying, I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders. An invitation to a changed life changed inside and out. So Jesus is speaking to us. He's speaking to all of us saying, look, This is who I've come for. But what does that mean to be the lost? Who's he talking about? And what we're going to talk about in that can best be described in this story Uh, a story from my childhood, because I just love excuses to tell you about my childhood. And so I was, I I know I was under the age of seven, and I was on my mom's bed, and she had this box of memories. You know, you may have your own box or the the one that gets passed down, unless it was in the garage when there was a flood and then it got ruined. Well, this box didn't get ruined yet, and she pulled out all these pictures of her as a kid, and her with my dad, and, you know, all these different memorabilia, and then she pulled out this little box, and she said, but this, I've been saving this for you for when you graduate from high school. Now, for many of us, we're like, what's the big deal? High school, okay. Well, when you're, you know, under seven years old, you're like, oh, that's where the big people, like you imagine it's like this big event, and so my heart literally kind of, oh, 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 what's in it? And it was a box. It was kind of like a, almost like a wedding box, a, a wedding ring box, but take it and stretch it out. So it's like rectangular. And so she goes to open it. And I, I, I imagine the light like shining out of it, like, oh, where it blinds you. And then as it disappears, you see it. And then when the light faded and I got to see it, it was a Budweiser pen and a Budweiser pencil. <laughs> oh, you laugh. But. I was not laughing. I was like, I cannot wait to get those. I didn't understand, you know, that you know, they're just a pen. But to me, it meant a lot because she had saved it. She put it in the box. She was saving it for me. It was valuable to me. I don't know where those are. I never got it on my graduation. And I think about that all the time. In fact, on graduation, I was like kind of waiting for it and it never arrived. And I didn't want to say, hey, where's my pen? But like I wanted that. It was valuable to me, but it was lost. It never showed up, but it was valuable to me. It was treasured. It was precious to me because she thought about it for me. It didn't matter what the world thought about it. That Budweiser pen and pencil matching set were saved for me, and it made it valuable to me. When we talk about the lost, when we see what Jesus says, he's talking about the valuable, the precious, the treasured. When we look here in this passage in Luke 15, he talks about... He has these these, uh, Pharisees, they come up to him and they say, hey, why are you hanging out with all these sinners and these tax collectors? Which is another way to say, why are you hanging out with all these people that are doing the wrong thing? Why are they so important to you? Why are they so valuable? Why are they so precious? And then he goes into these stories, because how do you describe that? So he shares stories they can relate with, and he shares about these lost sheep, and then he shares about this lost coin, and then he shares about the lost son, or as you've heard it said, the prodigal son. We're going to look at the lost coin, just the lost coin this morning, but when he was sharing that, he was trying to describe to them, it's not that they're lost, it's not that they're doing the wrong thing, it's that they're valuable, they're precious, and you can't see that. All you can see is what they do, but you don't know them, you don't realize how precious they are. So this morning, as part of being a simple church, we're going to talk about investing and inviting but you can't talk about that without understanding why we even do this. What does it matter? Like we talked, um, uh, cu- we talked a few weeks ago about being a church for people who don't go to church. And one of the common things that comes up is people are like, I-, I just, I don't know how to invite people to Christ. I don't know how to invite them to anything into my world. I don't know how to do this, which is common. And we talked about it last week when we talked about spiritual gifts. The reality is very few of us have the spiritual gift of evangelism which means leading people to Christ. That's a specific gift where you can just walk up to someone and start sharing with them about Christ, and it's not weird. For 90% of us, including me, it's just weird. And so you shouldn't do that. It's not your gift. But everybody can invest and invite. So I want to break that down, but what that, the core of it is that we have to realize that people are valuable. They're precious, and they're treasured. And if we don't see that, then you cannot step into that world because you're just going to mess it up. Um, So open up, if you could, to Luke chapter 15. We're going to have it up here. And um, this is the parable of the lost coin. And so Jesus is trying to describe to these Pharisees, and by the way, the, the word Pharisee, this was their name, they came up with for themselves, was the separate ones. Let that sink in, the separate ones, which is the exact opposite of what we're talking about here. We say that a church is a family expecting guests. Right? Like we're kind of set up like, a, like a, a, a wedding. Right? So it's set up like a wedding, like a wedding reception. You're expecting guests. You're set up. You're prepared. And yet you've got these Pharisees that we're separate. Only certain people get in and we're going to, you know. So here it is. Luke 15, 1 and 2. The tax collectors. Well, we already did this. So we'll go, to the, we'll go to the next slide if you could. So Jesus says, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins. Remember, he's talking to these Pharisees trying to describe what does it mean to come for the lost? What does it mean not to come for the healthy but for the sick? What does it mean to, as he said, to invite the outsiders? He said, suppose a woman has ten silver coins and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? So he's asking a question. And so if you slow down and listen to that, suppose a woman has ten silver coins, just so you know, each of those coins are worth 17 cents so she has 10 of these so she's got a buck 70 here she drops 17 cents and then jesus says wouldn't you light a lamp sweep the house and search for it no right i mean 17 cents i'm not bending over for a quarter anymore it used to be i'd be like oh there's a penny you know found a penny then it's a quarter even a dollar i'm like ah it's all the way down there maybe someone else is going to appreciate so when i read this it's like no not bending but that's because we don't understand the context of what's happening here we just see the coins we just see the Budweiser pen and the Budweiser pencil those coins represent her dowry it has a Jewish name that if I repeat it I pronounce it wrong and you wouldn't remember it so what really what's the point right but it's a dowry and when you get married, traditional in that culture that she would bring something into the marriage and so she comes from a poor family and so she only has this much. Now, it's seventy to us. At that time, each of those coins represent a day's worth of wages. Not represent, they literally, that's what it adds up to. Uh, a drachma, um, a denarius. Uh, so it adds up to a day's worth of wages. But still, it's like one day. So you're going to look for it, right? Like if you had a day's worth of wages, you'd look for it. But when Jesus says, doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully? Yeah, because it's so valuable to her. These are her wedding coins. She doesn't plan on ever spending them. They were, the, the tradition came about because of security and savings, so if something goes wrong, at least she's got this. So she's meant to keep that. It's not the dowry that you give to him and you share, and hey, let's buy a house together. This is the, you no, know, in case things go bad, I've got this still. And so of course she's going to look for it because of the symbolism behind it, because of what it means. I mean, basically, she's dropped a wedding ring. And it's fallen onto. I mean, you're imagining carpet or a nice wood floor, but not there. They have stone. And in fact, one of the ways that archaeologists um, can date certain homes is because they'll find co- coins wedged in between stones. And so she drops this stone. It's like what? And she doesn't wait till the next day. She lights the lamp. She's looking for it. Like I don't. I'm not waiting till tomorrow because maybe I'll forget the general area, or maybe something would happen, or I've got to look for it now. And I think about uh, my daughter's wedding ring. Oh, yeah, we already got it. So my dad gave me his wedding ring. So I was getting married, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. You need a wedding ring. Here, use this one. This is the one that I got married to your mom with. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks. Just remind me of the whole divorce. Yeah, that's awesome. So it was this little ring, and, um, but I said, no, 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 we're going to repurpose this ring. No, 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 this is the ring. And so I, uh, I got it, and I, I gave it to... Steph, and she goes, I want to do all, I go, no, no, don't write a bunch of stuff inside of it, this is all I want in there, my life verse, and this phrase, no refunds, because this, this ring is forever, so I've got that ring, and then I've got two boys and a little girl, and so you can't, you know, give it to one of the boys, because the other boy doesn't get it, and I'm like, I want to save this for my daughter, I want her, and she may go, oh, thanks, dad, but uh, no. Um, or she may go, can I melt it down? And I'll be like, fine, whatever, it's yours. But the, it's the meaning behind it. Like, this is the ring that your mother and I got married with. And I saved it for you. I mean, it's better than Budweiser pen and pencil, isn't it? But it doesn't matter because it, even if it was a wooden ring and it was all ripped up or if it was made out of, if it was barbed wire, and it, was, it would be valuable to her. And so this coin, when it falls, she's looking for it. She's sweeping. She's looking in between the cracks. And, we, and why does he ask this? Doesn't she light a lamp? And then he says, and when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. You guys know what that feels like, which is why Jesus is sharing this story. He goes, you know what it's like, right, when you lose something that's so valuable and precious and treasured. And then you find it, and it's like you can breathe again. We all know what that's like, and that's why he shares this story, to explain to them That's what people mean to me. Even you Pharisees who are so rude to call yourselves the separate ones and to call these people the wrong people, like you're valuable, you matter. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents, one person whose life gets turned upside down. As a simple church, not just branches, but all these churches, we are, because some of you are visiting from other churches, or some of you are going to go to another church. This doesn't change. We follow Jesus, and Jesus said, look, this is why I'm here. I'm here for the valuable. I'm here for the treasured. I'm here for the precious. And I want to invite them into this new life. Now, the theme that we have here is invest and invite. And I wish I could switch switch the order, but it just doesn't flow, right? Invite and invest. Uh, Well, when we talk about this, so what do you do with this? How do we live this out? How do we do what Jesus is doing? Well, it looks different for all of us. But at the core of it, when we talk about invest and invite, you're inviting people that you're already invested with. And I want to make sure this gets out of your head before it gets stuck. We're not talking about Sunday mornings. We're not talking about small group. We're not talking about life group. We're not talking about the Oak Bridge retreat. We're not, talk- we're not talking about the men's retreat or the women's retreat. There's an element of that. But what we're talking about is inviting them into this new life. And they're the people you're already invested with. Because when you think about investing, like, i got to go find people. That's just weird, Right? That's like the people that show up at your door, you don't know who they are, and they're knocking in, and they're like, hey. And you don't know what they're selling, but you know they're selling. They have an agenda. It's just not natural. We're talking about the people you're already invested, the people that are already valuable to you, the people that you already love. And you invite them into your world. Right? I was just talking with someone this morning, and they said, this is, this is our life. Like, this is part of our life, being here on a Sunday morning. It's is part of our life. But their life is focused around following Christ, and everything flows off of that. This is, this is who we are. We are followers of Jesus and our life. We want to reflect that. And we were talking with a young man uh, in the past few weeks, and we are talking about his dating life, because that's what you do, right? You talk to guys, older guys, are supposed to talk to the younger guys and make sure they don't make all the mistakes we made. And so we're talking about his dating life. We're like, well, don't date Christians, is what we told him. He said, don't date Christians looked a little confused. We said, you need to date people that are actually following Jesus. He wasn't even dating Christians. <laughs> well, you can date Christians. That's a cultural thing. But what about people that are actually going to go in the same direction that you're going? And then my other friend said the coolest thing. He said to him, well, okay, so if I walk in, you guys are having lunch together, you and this girl. Because he said, because he was, took this girl out on a date and... Um, he said, "So you talk about all this stuff. Yeah, she's so fun to talk to you. Well, did you talk about your faith at all or who you like your whole cuz this guy's life is all built around following the Lord." And he said, "No, we didn't." He goes, "That's kind of weird." "What do you mean?" "Well, if I were to show up, you guys are eating it whatever and I walk in and I walk next to you guys, wouldn't you introduce me?" And He's like, "Well, yeah, cuz I'm part of your life, right? Yeah." He goes, "So why are you keeping that a secret?" So part of investing in inviting is just not keeping it a secret. Like Put it out there, like, this is who I am. I ain't got it all together, but this is who I am, and this is where we're headed. And that's one of the biggest steps in this whole process. And you have these friends that you're close with, you're invested in, just don't keep it a secret. Invite them actually into your whole world, which, let's face it, is really scary. Um, The other thing is, is, too, is we talked about having an agenda. Like, I don't want you to leave thinking, oh, I should do this. No, you should not. <laughs> if you should do it, it means you don't want to do it, which means two things. One, of course you don't want to go to someone you don't know, but if there's someone you know that you love, that's valuable to you, that's precious to you and treasure to you, and at the same time, if you know the goodness of God, if you know his reckless love for you, that's not a hard gap to cross, is it? That shouldn't be hard at all. Now you're pulling them aside and go, you know, I'd, I'd like to talk to you about something. That's weird. For most people. And so I have a sneaky trick for you. I have a sneaky maneuver that you can use. Get it close. The sneaky maneuver is be yourself. Don't try to, like, figure out some system or read some book Or figure out some way that you can get them to hear. Because that means you have an agenda. Just be yourself. Your awkward, weird, stumbly self. They already love you. They already trust you. So be sincere and honest with them. Because as soon as you start giving a speech or some weird thing, they're like, what are you doing? This isn't you. So just be yourself. Just don't be hidden. I had to write these down because I knew I'd forget them. I don't usually look at the notes as much, but I'm trying to look at the notes more so I don't look back and go, oh, I missed that. Um, And for us, with the branches community, what we're inviting them into is the kingdom of God. That's who Jesus is inviting them into. And so if they're going to invite them into the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, then we, as the body of Christ, have an extreme responsibility, especially as a simple church. The reason that I chose the title simple church was for a lot of reasons. Originally before I realized the significance of what we were doing, I was just going to call it small church. Because in South Orange County, we're a small church. For the United States, we're actually huge. For the world, we're huge. But locally, we're small. And we have certain strengths. And one of the strengths we have as a smaller church is that it's hard to hide. Especially when they bring out the round tables, right? But when you're here, it's hard to be invisible. But when we as a church are not friendly and not warm, it's really pronounced. If you go to a huge church, you expect them not to remember your name or recognize your face or walk up to you. Like, well, there's a lot of people here. But if it's smaller, you expect to not be invisible, even if you want to be. You may go, oh, they put me at a table. Oh, they said hey to me. I was just trying to come in and be secret. But if you were to come and nobody did that, you'd leave going, oh, I can't believe nobody said hey. and Nobody reached out because we all have that at our core. When we talked about in the surveys, how, did, how have you grown most in your faith? What was the single most important element? People. How? By being with them and by serving them. So we all have a responsibility. We talk about it and joke about it. Um, so if you were invited today, know that you were invited because you were valuable. <laughs> because you mattered to that person. And they were probably freaking out and their heart was beating. They're like, ah, I still want them to be close with me. I hope. So you're, they're more freaked out than you are. But with that, and this is for everybody else, for someone that brought someone, they're looking at all of you and going, please don't screw this up. Please be warm. Please be friendly. I don't want them to leave and not feel welcomed. And don't be weird. Once you say, hey, if they look like they don't want to talk, just leave them alone. Don't keep talking to them. Give them some space. That's who we have to be, and it's a cultural thing. We all have to do. We all have to be looking outside, and we all have to learn how to respect and honor people by, sh- by talking to them, by including them, and by giving them space. It shows respect. It shows love. It shows you're valuable, and I'm going to treat you as such. And then finally, the last thing, is we invite people because they matter. We invite people into our life. We invite them even on a Sunday morning or to a men's treat, or we invite them Into our prayer life. Because we love them. If there's not love involved. Don't get involved. You'll just mess it up. But when there's love behind it. You can't screw this up. And so be bold in love. So we're going to close with this. There's a. um, You know we've been doing those videos. Of people within the church. And so uh, Steve who I asked to come. And do the actual videoing and editing. Because he's gifted at it. Um, When they arrived that morning at my house, I said, okay, Steve, we're going to interview you too, cool? And I knew that he was thinking, that's not cool, but there were four of us staring at him, he's like, okay, and so this is him being interviewed, and then he didn't want to edit himself, so Scott edited it for him, so this is Steve um, sharing what invest and invite looks like for, has looked like for him. It's going to look different for everybody, but this is what it looked like for him and why, and I didn't give him any prep or any information, I said, just talk. And we asked him a couple of questions, so this is Steve.
2: So was there, was there a question? You introduce yourself. Oh, okay. My name is Steven. I'm married to the lovely Allie, who's probably sitting next to me right now watching this video. Um, We've been going to Branches for three years. We were at a wedding, and we had these good friends of ours um, say, we just started going to this new church. It's really, really cool. They're going through uh, the book of whatever you guys were going through at the time. (laughs) And they said, there's a lot of people that are being attracted to this church right now. I really respected these people like a lot and um, the way that they lived was a way that I wanted to live. And so I was like, okay, I'll go check out this church because I have heard a few good things about it. So I showed up and uh, really didn't know what it was gonna be like, um, nor did I care because I was looking for a new church at the time. Later on that first day, um, I got a text from Boogie that was, The the head pastor of the church texting me, and saying, "Like, hey, heard you stopped by. Like, glad you did. You know, hope to see you again." It was really brief and simple, but we couldn't be, we couldn't be small. Like, I I couldn't be small at that church, and I'm I'm a pretty big dude, and I I often try to be small. Um, You know, I couldn't hide, and like, nor could I hide from even the, the head pastor who, who found out that I came, and then decided to text me and, and that's, what, that's what really brought me back. I felt for my whole life that my dad's church was my own church. Um, and then when that ended, I didn't really have a place to go. And I, I got connected to another church for a while. I just started attending it. And I never really felt like that was my, my home. And so I was still looking for that. And it took about eight or nine years. And then I found branches.
1: Think of these people and what they mean to you and your friend, like the interviewer, like Why even invite them?
2: Well, people matter. I mean, I think Jesus makes that very clear. <laughs> so, they should matter to us. Most often it's someone that I can sense is having a hard time just either at their church or in their life or has expressed disinterest in the church as a whole or the church in Orange County. Um, I'll be like look like I, I've been there I've had those feelings about church then I'll be like if you're interested show up like if you're not interested then don't and the reason that I do that is because i I care that like i I really really want people to feel connected I, I want people to feel um, part of something again like I said earlier part of something bigger than themselves I think that's I think that's something we all crave and it's it kind of sucks sometimes for me personally because I feel like I have to I have to be the person to like create that that feeling that they get when they come to church. But I try not to let that actually like burden me to the point of where it's uh, like debilitating, to where I don't even want to go to church sometimes. Because sometimes I, you know, I just like I just want to retreat. I want to be the introvert that I am, and. Not get outside of myself and welcome these people, but I, I do think it's important. I think it's I think, I think it's how Jesus lived, and it's what He did when He was here. And I just want to be like Christ. Like I just want to do what Jesus did.
0: That was awesome. Thanks, Stephen. Lord, thank you that, uh, as holy and valuable as you are, you find each and every one of us valuable, even those that don't even know you. I ask that you would help us to see more um, just how much you love us and to find peace uh, in that and uh, that we would just unfold into the people you created us to be in the beginning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, it says in the book of Revelation that in heaven we're going to sing Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And as we were singing that just now, I, I... I just felt that coming one day, and how I have so many people in my life that I want to be a part of that, and what a great place to bring friends to, a place that's welcoming, where people are loving, where people are honest and sincere. Um, I know a lot of you out there, and, and I know the struggles that have brought you to this place and it's amazing to be able to walk alongside so many people who want nothing more than to love each other and to love Jesus. Uh, what, a, what a great community. And it'll be that way in heaven, too, as we sing together, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen? Amen. Amen.